Amen. Appreciate all the good songs this morning, all the good spirit that's here today. Appreciate your presence. Uh, I do have a message this morning, and I'll be honest with you and tell you the Lord changed it on me three times since last night, and uh, he's had me struggling. I guess he wants me to be humble and not think that I already know what's going to happen, and so... uh, You pray for me as I try to preach this morning. Now the book of Romans, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn there. Romans chapter 5, we'll be taking our text from. Romans chapter 5. And we'll look at verses 1 through 11, Lord willing, on this message I have titled Christian Benefits. Christian Benefits. Romans chapter 5. When you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Romans chapter 5. Starting with verse 1. Here the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Help us now as we try to preach. God, may you be glorified in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Here in verse 1 of our text in Romans chapter 5, we find that uh, we need to be justified. Uh, Justification is necessary if you ever want to reach heaven. If you ever want to see God and reach heaven and, and be in your heavenly home, you must be justified to be able to stand before him. Uh, if a nation is battling other nations or countries, we call that wartime. I want you to know today, if you're not saved, you're in war with the Lord Jesus Christ. And some people may say, well, Brother Byron, I love Jesus. I, I'm not in war with him. Well, have you been saved? If you've not been saved, you are at war with Jesus. You are his enemy. The Bible is very clear on that. So when nations and, and countries come together in war and battle uh, that is wartime. But when they're not in battle and everything's okay, we call that peacetime. Well, peace is what we all want, right? Of course we do. It's the same with man. We're either at war with God or we have peace with God. Uh, we see right now in this world we have Israel against the, the uh, Hamas and Hamas against Israel and Russia against Ukraine, Ukraine against Russia. Uh, there's not peace over in that area today. Uh, fortunately, right now, we have a uh, semi-peace situation here in this country. We are trying to help other countries, but uh, nevertheless, we are what's considered peacetime in the United States. I don't believe we have a declaration of war against anyone at this moment. Uh, but Paul is explaining there is a way for a man to have peace 
with God. And the only way that's possible is if we are justified. And the only way we can be justified is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way to, to, to be done. It's just impossible. And like I said, whether you realize it or not, before you were saved, you were God's enemy and you were at war with him. If you're not saved today, you're still at war with him and you are still his enemy. Uh, and believe me, God is the very last person you want to be your enemy. Now, the word justified that Paul uses here in verse 1, it's a very important word. It means innocent or free is what the word means. Innocent or free. And it's the opposite of being guilty or enslaved. Um, those that are not saved, those that do not have faith in Christ are guilty before God and are enslaved in their sins, and they may not realize it. They may think that their sin, it brings them such joy that the, they're free, but they're not. They're in bondage to that sin. Anytime you have sin in your life, especially habitual sin, sin that you commit over and over and over, you are a slave to it. You're in bondage to it. And the only way out of it is to be freed, to be justified before God. And if you can't stand before God righteous, that means you can't be justified and you cannot enter into heaven. It just doesn't work that way. And so, listen, you have to be justified before you die. Otherwise, you will go to a place called hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. God created to pour out his holy wrath and anger upon. Yet there, it enlarges itself daily, the Bible says. And why is that? Because people refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus. People reject Christ. And rejection of Christ will send you to hell. He's not the one sending you there. You are choosing to go there by refusing to accept his gift of salvation. And so we know the penalty for sin is death, and death means hell. So we need to have peace with God. We must be justified, and we can have both those things if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust him as our Savior. I don't care how big you are, how smart you are, how, how much you think you've, you've got it all together and figured out. If you're against God, if you're his enemy, you are the ultimate loser. I've heard some foolish people that claim to be atheists, <laughs> claim to be agnostic. You know what? God does not believe in atheists or agnostics. He doesn't believe in them. They're not real. They're, they're only pretending. And so we have these people that say that they're on a higher level than, than those stupid Christians. Pardon that word. I had to use it. I know some people that claim to be atheists, and they believe they're on a higher mentality than Christians. Christians are weak-minded, he said. That, that they don't understand the, the grasp of reality. That there was no way there could be some God in the sky that controls things. Well, the Bible says in Psalms 14 and 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There are many fools in this world today. 1 John 2 and 22, Brother Scott taught on this morning, the Bible said, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? And it goes on to say, He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. That means you are against Christ. To be Antichrist is against Christ. Now, there is the Antichrist, of course, we know that will rise up uh, at, in the end of things, but being Antichrist means you're opposite of what Christ stands for, of what Christ loves and what Christ expects. One of the great things about justification Paul talks about is that it's a one-time thing. It's not something that you have to renew. 
You know, you have to renew your driver's license every now and then. I had to recently. You have to renew those license plates every year, and they get more expensive every time. But you don't have to renew justification. It's always there. Once you're justified before God, you're forever and eternally justified before Him. And so when a person places their faith in Christ, they are immediately justified before God forever and always. Now, without this justification, we cannot have peace, not peace with God. Peace is one of the main themes of the New Testament. You can look over and over and over in the Bible, and that word is used 111 times in the New Testament. 51 of those times is the Apostle Paul who is writing about it. Now, a man who was once hellbound, he was against Christians. He was antichrist. He was against everything Christians were for. And he went to kill those, to enslave those, to to cast them into prison, and ultimately kill Christians. But we know the Lord met him on that road to Damascus. He found peace because Paul was justified when he accepted Christ as his Savior. Verse 2 of our opening text there says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you notice that little word, access? I don't think I have to tell everybody what that means, do I? Uh, It just means that you have uh, the ability to enter. You have uh, admission. You have admission to come in. Uh, If I want to stand before the president today, I would have to get clearance. I'd have to have a security check, a background check. I'd have to be escorted in by armed guards and and all these things just to have access to the president of our country. Well, the Lord's not like that. We have direct access to him. If you you go to a concert, one of these so-called, you know, whatever they are out there, the uh, God, the country singers and the, and the pop singers and all that. People want to go backstage and meet them for some reason. I have no idea why they want to do that. Uh, but some people do. And the only way you can do that is if you have backstage access. You've got to have a badge or some kind of pass or something to get back there. Or you've got to sneak in. Well, you can't sneak in with God. Uh, but you don't need a, a pass or a backstage pass or anything like that, a special ticket. To have access to God, all that is required is to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only access that we need is to go through Jesus. No background check, no security clearance, no backstage pass needed. Jesus is the way to God and for peace. It says there in that that verse, he says, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm glad that we can approach God in that way. You know, kings on earth, and I've been watching a lot of stuff about, about Vikings and, and uh, how they would go over into those other countries and where kings and, and rule and everything. And it's interesting uh, how the king has power over everything. And you have to grovel at his feet. You, you can't just come out and approach the king. He's got bodyguards and everything else standing there trying to prevent anybody from coming to the king. But the Bible tells us that we can come boldly under the throne of grace. We don't have to to crawl up there and and have bodyguards and and swords and everything pointed toward us. No, it says boldly. In other words, it's our access. We have that access. And so we can boldly walk right up to the throne of God and communicate with Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is uh, is between us and God. 
have you ever noticed how many times the word faith and grace are used in the Bible? They go hand in hand. Uh, one of the best verses in the Bible, Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so I'm thankful for that today, that grace and faith, how they go hand in hand. That simply placing our faith in Christ, and that's, that's belief. It says believe on the Lord, that means to have faith in Him. And you have faith in Him because you believe in who He is and what He did for you. That's why we would have faith into Him. It says in the last part of verse 2, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now that word hope right there, it's another important word, and it don't mean like, I wish this would happen, or I hope this will happen, like we do here, you know. Like if something we're waiting on, we say, well, I hope that comes today. We don't know in that case. But in this case, that's not what the word hope means. The, the word hope here means something that is certain or assured. And that's where we place our hope. It's not yet realized, but it's certain and assured. I didn't see Jesus hang on the cross. But by faith, I believe in that. And I have hope in an eternal home. We've sang about it just, just today. We talk about that old ship of Zion that's coming and God calling your name and, and this going over into heaven. Well, I have hope in that. I have hope that I'm going to reach heaven. Not that I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm assured of it. I just, it just hadn't come to sight yet. But it is certain one day we will share in the glory of God. I can't imagine what all that entails, though. Do you? The glory of God is something I don't think we can even comprehend. I know when Moses stood before the Lord and, and he just got a little glimpse of his backside as he walked through and uh, he shone so bright that people couldn't even look at him. He had to be veiled. And so I, I don't think we can understand the glory of God. But one of these days we will. One of these days we'll have the mind of Christ and we will understand it. We'll see things as he is and as he does. Look back at verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now, this verse right here kind of scares you a little bit. Uh, we all talk about we want patience, you know, want more patience and all that stuff. Well, we don't want it the way the Bible says that it comes. That's our only problem. We want it to come and come right now. I want patience and I want it immediately. <laughs> Give it to me now. Well, that's not how it works. It's through tribulation. Now, we have no idea what it means to face tribulation, not, not uh, the spiritual tribulation like a lot of people do. You may have faced tribulations in your health. You may be going through health issues. You may have had cancer or, or have it right now. You may be going through tribulations in your body and, and having to take treatments. I have witnessed it and lived with it, and, and I know all about that. But that's not the kind of tribulations that the Bible's speaking of. These tribulations is persecution that we face simply because that we do place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that there are people all over this world today, there are more people being persecuted because they believe in Christ than there ever has. And that's hard to imagine. Why? Because we don't see it. It's not in our country. Our local news channels don't talk about it. Uh, but it's happening all over this world. People that believe in Christ are being executed at this very moment. Uh, and we think that we have it bad if somebody makes fun of us for going to church, makes fun of us for being a Christian, makes fun of us because we prayed at the restaurant, makes fun of us because we have a gospel tract and they refuse to take it. Oh, I'm so persecuted. I'm persecuted because of this. We have no idea what real persecution means. 
believers in places like North Korea, which is the most dangerous place on the earth for Christians at this moment, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, all those are the top five most dangerous places to believe in Christ. Just simply believing in him, you can be arrested, beaten, tortured, mutilated, set on fire, and beheaded because you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you would not renounce him. Now, none of us want to face these things like this. The Bible says that tribulation will come to those who believe. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. All these men of God that stood up and declared God's word, how they were mistreated, how they were persecuted, beheaded, sawed asunder. There were so many things that happened to those prophets of old. Jesus says in John fifteen eighteen through 20, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the, the word that I said unto you, the servant is no greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Friends, I want you to know this world hates Christians. It's an anti-Christ, anti-Christian nation right now. We say we're one nation under God, prove it. You say that we're a Christian nation, prove it. There's still many good Christians in this world, but I want you to know the dominating factor in this world is evil. People are against the Lord Jesus. They hate churches. They, they would love to see every church closed. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, Peter writes this. He said, Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Uh, I'm telling you, friends, uh, these fiery trials, these persecutions, these trials that a lot of us are going to have to go through one day, I don't know how long this country is going to have peace. We don't know from day to day what's going to happen next. Russia could very well decide they want to come and, and invade the United States. You never know. China, uh, you know, China's got more people in it than we can even imagine. They could invade this country and take it over in a heartbeat. Uh, our U.S. military keeps them at bay. But I want you to know, we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. We can, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen before we leave this service today. And so life is uncertain. But we need to understand that we need Jesus in these times of, of trouble and trials. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He said, he said shall, not might. Or maybe, he said, shall. Trust me, if you're living for Christ and you're living the way that is pleasing to God, you are going to get persecution of some kind. You will. Just imagine the state of the church 
that's facing today. It's no secret, two years ago when the, the virus hit, and you've got to be careful of the words you say when you start talking about it because they will censor you on Facebook and YouTube. They will take you down just for saying certain words about it. But two years ago when that virus hit, or maybe it's almost been three now, I guess, and uh, we saw churches, one in five churches closed permanently because of that. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen to churches all over, especially here in East Tennessee, churches that used to be booming and filled full of people after that thing come, and it wasn't just because uh, so many people got it. So many people were scared. They didn't want to come to church. Scared. The news media was driving it. Boy, they were even setting laws that churches, if, if you open up and, and allow people in, they're going to fine you, and you've got to pay fines. They fined that church out in California that, that opened up hundreds of thousands of dollars every day because they've been open. But so easily how the church just decided, you know, we're going to close the door. Just imagine the state of the churches around here if we faced any of the persecution they're facing over in other countries like Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq or any of those places. They'd be completely empty. Verse 4 says, In patience, experience, and experience hope. Here Paul lists more benefits of placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said Christian benefits was the title of the message. And I hope you're understanding that and gleaning that from this as we go through here. Don't be always thinking about the persecution and the trials, but think of these benefits that we have simply because we do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The things that he does give us through our justification. Patience, experience, and experience hope. And so by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see all these benefits. We've already seen we've been justified. We've already seen we have peace with God. We've seen we have access to God. And now we see it gives us patience, experience, and hope. That experience comes through living your life and, and how you, uh, uh, you live for Christ during the times of troubles and trials. We gain this experience and we get it through the Lord Jesus. Living for the Lord has many benefits. Over time, we're proven and we're refined like they do gold. You know, they take gold and they put it through a fire. And it gets so hot and it burns off the dross and all the bad things go away. And all that's left is the gold, the pure gold. And that's what the Lord is trying to do with us. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now we know that Peter was speaking to a persecuted church. He was speaking to people that had been persecuted by, by unbelieving Jews, by the Romans, by everyone around them. Even some of their own families disowned them because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter would write these words of, as an encouragement, letting them know that these, these trials they're facing, the persecution they're, they're facing, it is heavy and it does manifold temptations. But the trial of our faith, we'll see how we come out on the other side. You know, and that's, that shows your true character your true Christian character, when you're going through a trial, how it is that you go through it and what you're like when you come out on the other side. And I've seen both cases. I've seen those that have placed their complete faith in Jesus Christ, even though they're going through such awful things, and they put their head over on his, his shoulder, let him carry them through, and when they come out on the other side, they're as gold. 
And then I've seen those that cursed God, screamed, and, and said, why me? And, and fought against Him and denied Him and everything else. Quit going to church, quit reading their Bible, just give up on God because they're going through a trial. And when they come out on the other side, they're as horrible as horrible can be. It's how we face these trials. We face them through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll go with us all the way. Look at verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When you become a Christian, you have this hope that we've been talking about. He said, hope maketh not ashamed. Just as we already said, it's not wishful thinking, but it's something that's certain and assured. Paul, writing to Titus, said in Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That blessed hope is the object of our desires, of every Christian's desire. The object of that is our hope in what Jesus has done for us. What the Lord has prepared for us. He's went and He's went away and He's prepared a place for everyone that we can one day, we have the blessed hope that we'll be there. It's our expectation that we'll be there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, Therefore we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I love the thought of that. I, I use that verse a lot when I preach a funeral message because it just makes so much sense. Uh, when we're here, of course, you know, we're here at home and this this body that's deteriorating and everything, we're, we're not in the Lord's presence at that moment. I mean, He is all around us, of course, but not in the very presence of God at the, at the throne room, the boldness uh, of, of there at the throne. But, friends, when we close our eyes in death, the Christian, when we close our eyes in death, we will open them in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know what's terrible to think about are people today that think that when they die, they're going to go to a place called purgatory, which is not in the Bible. It's nowhere in there. Uh, and it's awful to think that people think that they're going to have a second chance when they die. That, you know, they'll be able, their family will be able to pray them out. Their family will pay the, the priest or whatever it is. And, and they'll get out of purgatory and go to, to heaven. Friends, that's, that's a fairy tale. That's not in the Bible. It's something the Roman Catholics made up and put in theirs. But it's not true. There's only two places you go when you die. One is hell and one is heaven. If you've been saved and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. If you've not trusted in the Lord Jesus, to be absent from the bodies, to be present in hell. There's no other way. Verse 6 of our text says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You know, here Paul, of course, is referring to a natural man without Christ. A man without Christ is a man without strength. The strength to resist sin, helpless in our sinful condition, unable to save ourselves. That man without Christ, that woman without Christ, they're unable to save themselves, and they will die and go to hell without Jesus. And so we can't save ourselves. But Christ died. The Bible says he died for those without strength, and he also said the ungodly, that's the same thing. Those without strength is the natural man, and he died for the ungodly. Friends, before you were saved, you were ungodly. 
If you're not saved today, it don't matter how good you may think you're living, you are ungodly. That's what the Bible says. And so it goes on to say in verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I've always loved that verse, realizing that he didn't say, Byron, you've got to clean yourself up. You've got to start living a better life. You've got to do this list of things and keep these commandments and do this and do that. And then I'll think about saving you. He didn't say that. While I was a yet a sinner, he died for me. He said, I know what you're doing. I know what you're into. I know you're hellbound. I know you're sinful. But I died for you. I love you. And I want to save you. All you got to do is just receive me as your Savior. That's all. It's a free gift of God. He just come down and said, Byron, take me. Take me as your Savior. It's all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What He did for you and receive Him as your Savior. You don't have to have to start thinking about, oh, how am I going to fix myself up first? How am I going to look good to go to church? How am I going to do this and do that? No, you don't got to do that. Just come as you are. He loves you. He loves you. He'll save you while we were yet sinners. The Bible says we don't have to do a seven-step program. A lot of people are into that. <laughs> They're into those steps, you know. Well, Brother Byron, I need some steps. Well, I'll tell you some steps. One, realize you're a sinner, lost, bound for hell, and you need to be saved. Two, believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that He was sent here to die for us. He hung on that cross, shed His blood. He, he was buried and He rose again in three days and sits on the right hand of the Father now. Believe that. Step three, receive Him as your Savior. Call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. There's you some steps. If you like steps, there they are. There's three of them. Simple as that. If you get one of my business cards on your way out the door, I've got that on the back of it. Use it. Use it. But we don't have to do some seven-step program. We don't have to kiss the Pope. We don't have to straighten up or prove ourselves or clean up. All we got to do is believe in the Lord. Verse 9, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Paul continues adding to the list of our benefits. Not only are we justified by having faith in Christ, but we're saved from wrath through Him. What wrath did we need to be saved from? What wrath? It's the wrath of God. You know, God is a high, holy, and lifted up and righteous God. Sin does not mix with God. He abhors sin. He hates sin. And he will pour his wrath out upon sin. You better believe it. Don't ever think of that. A lot of people think God's this, this little, you know, uh, grandfather with a long beard sitting up there in a chair and he's looking down on people. Oh, I just showed you. That's not God. He's high. He's holy. He's lifted up. He's righteous. The Bible said he's holy, holy, holy. And he hates sin. But we can be justified, saved. From sin, and we can stand before him boldly. He says, Save from the wrath through him. Romans 1 and 18 said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 
Ephesians 5 and 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Colossians 3, 5 and 6, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And lastly, in John 3 and 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friends, this is, is, the Bible is true. God is not a liar. Everything that he puts in here is a matter of fact. If you doubt any word in this Bible, you've got to doubt it all. I don't doubt a single word. It's perfect. It's infallible. There's nothing wrong in God's word. The only thing's wrong is our way of thinking. Lastly, let's look at those last two verses and we'll be finished. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And there it is. When we were enemies. I told you at the beginning of this message, if you're not saved, you're an enemy of God. You're at war with God. You're his enemy. I don't care how good you think he is or anything like that. And a lot of people believe that there's a God. A lot of people understand that there's a God. And they may even agree he's a holy God. But if they've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, they've never uh, accepted his son as their savior, I want you to know you're his enemy. Enemies of God. We must have peace with God or face his wrath. So what are those Christian benefits that we've found through here? There's several. Our justification. What's that mean? We can come before God completely clean, clear, nothing against us. We can have peace with God. What's that mean? Well, we're no longer enemies of his. We're not at war with him. We have access to God. We can boldly approach the throne of grace and come to him. We have blessed hope that we one day will be in heaven with him. It gives us patience through our trials and our tribulations, our experience, it says, and we are saved from the wrath of God that he pours out on sinners, and we have joy in God. So many benefits that we have as a Christian. But friends, I want to tell you this morning, if you're not a Christian, you do not have these benefits. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's going to be bad, friends. I, I'm, I'm telling you, people, they'll say, listen to that preacher up there always talking about hell and always talking about, you know, if I die and all this stuff, I'll go to a place called hell. There ain't no such thing. You better believe there is. It is real and it is hot. And it's a place where you go when you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you go. The Bible says it's where their worm doth not. It says their worm. Not the worm, their worm. In other words, your own personal one that's going to gnaw at you. They say hell is a bottomless pit. The Bible says it's a bottomless pit. Can you imagine the feeling of falling forever, not ever having any kind of balance or stability? It's where the fire is never quenched. Continuous burning flames. Where there's weeping. And gnashing of teeth. Friends, you'll be down there with every, every murderer, every whoremonger, every individual that you've ever even thought about as the worst person on earth. They will be there with you. If they've not been saved, they'll be there with you. 
serial killers, rapists, child abusers, all these people that are going to hell that's not been saved, you will be there with them. You wouldn't dare be around those kind of people here on this earth, would you? You'll be right there with them as you burn together in hell for eternity. And that's the worst part. Well, it's the second worst part. The first worst part is you'll be out of God's presence. That'll be the worst thing. And you will scream and you will cry and you will pray. There's more praying going on in hell than they are in churches today. They're praying, oh God forgive me if I just went and received Christ as my Savior. If I'd only believed before I died. But it will be too late because they're not in God's presence. God is not listening to the prayers of those in hell. But that's what's happening. Oh, friends, you don't want to go there. You don't want your children there. You don't want even your worst enemy there. I want us to stand and I want to pray with you. Brother Scott, would you come and get an invitation song? I don't know why the Lord had me preach this message today. I had, like I said, I had two other ones that I'd already worked on that I thought he wanted me to preach, but for some reason, this needed to be heard today. I don't know if it's someone in this building. I don't know if it's somebody listening on Facebook. I don't know if somebody's going to hear it later on YouTube or Sermon Audio or wherever it may be played again. But I want you to know that it was for someone. The Bible says his word will not be returned void. It will go out and accomplish that which he pleases. I want us to pray together. And if you need to be saved, if God's been dealing with your heart and you've not been saved and you know you need to be, and God's been dealing with you, would you come to this altar this morning and let me pray with you. And let's pray together. And let's get it right today before it's too late. Go ahead, brother. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. Lord, I'm praying for each individual in this church today. God, I don't know their hearts. I know you do. Lord, if there's one here today that has not been saved, God, they're, they're putting it off, God, they're, they're uh, making fun of it, or whatever it may be, God, we know that you can convict their heart through the Holy Spirit and show them that they need to be saved before it's too late. Oh, God, please prod them, and, and Lord, lead them to be saved today. God, help us. Father, we want to... Thank you for, the, for everything that you've told us in your word today. Not what I've said, but God, what you say in your word. And God, we know there's those that need to be saved today. Would you help them, Lord? Would you help them approach the throne of grace and approach it boldly and lay down things at your feet today, God? Help them, Father, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need help, you come down today. Go ahead, brother.